trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome to the show. Where rebel in wrong think is not just a slogan, it's also our motto. I'm joined by Eric Peters from ericpetersautos.com. Eric, great to catch up with you once again. Oh, likewise, Brian. I'm doing my very best Muhammad Ali rope-a-dope trying to um, avoid the mad scientists <laughs> trying to inject me with their whatever's in those needles. Wow, the, the pressure has really been turned up. Uh, the, the place where I'm seeing it most is probably through my daughter, who is a nursing mm-hmm. student. And yeah. when she describes how she is being treated by uh, the higher-ups and how, how her other fellow nursing students are being instructed to treat her because she is unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. I mean, she has to wear a mask and a shield. She has to have a daily oh COVID gosh. test. She cannot eat with them. She, has to, she doesn't have the proper sticker credential, so she has to sit by herself. She has to wait outside while the results for her COVID test each day are, are you know being processed. I mean, it's, I, I, I keep telling her, honey, you know, you're just kind of, you're getting the Rosa Parks treatment, you know? That's right. This is nothing short of abusive and, 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 and not a little bit. This is North Korean style. And an aspect of this that's very interesting, a good friend of mine is, all, is a nurse, and he's getting the similar treatment. And what's fascinating about it is this, this dude is my lifting buddy. So he's a big, healthy guy, works out, runs just like I do, um, actually takes care of his health. And he is being harassed, berated, and bothered by obese, chain-smoking people who, up until now, have been unwilling to exert the slightest bit of effort to be healthy and yet are obsessed with the health of my friend, which is its just a very strange inversion, and it's one of many that characterizes the, the symptoms of this sickness that has uh, somehow infected the entire country. Well, what to, from, from where you're standing right now, how are things going? I mean, we, you mentioned before we went on the air that in some ways you're actually feeling a little bit of hope. Tell me about that. Yes. Well, I am. Uh, even though they're really ramping up the fear organ again, talking about what's the latest now, the Lambda variant. Oh, yeah. The Delta variant was only current for a week, and now we've got Lambda. They just keep going on and on with it. But uh, even though a lot of these big corporate retailers have reinstituted their face diapering mandates for the employees, not yet the customers, but the employees, um, I'm noticing that very few of the customers, or at least not many more customers than were diapering, say, a month ago, are diapering now. Uh, whereas, as you and I were talking about a little bit off the air, a year ago when this whole thing began and people were uncertain and they didn't know what to believe and the fear organ was kicking up and saying that two or three million people are going to die, uh, before the mandates came along, it wasn't necessary. People just put them on out of fear. But now, with a year of experience under their belts, I think a lot of people are realizing that this thing is, at, at the minimum, grotesquely over-exaggerated, hyped, that fear is being leveraged against them, and they're not putting on the favor, which is wonderful. There's pushback on that. And I've had a number of conversations with clerks at places like Home Depot, uh, and I'll say things at the checkout counter like, I'm really sorry that they are making you wear those awful things again. I won't dignify them by calling them a mask. I usually say awful thing or loathsome rag or something like that. And without exception, in every case, uh, the people have said things like, yeah, I hate this. It sucks. It's hard to breathe. 
So, you know, they're having to force people to do this now, and I think it's wearing thin. And I think you said that your experience was pretty much the same. Yeah, where, where I live in Idaho, um, I mean, I started, I started making regular trips to Idaho back in January, and I could tell then, you know, the people here were fed up with it because you'd go places and, yep. and nobody was wearing masks, and it was, it was almost like yep. being back in a normal world. What's alarming right. to me, though, Eric, is the the pressure being brought to bear by employers to get yes. the vaccine. I mean, there are a lot of people who are basically mm-hmm. being told, get the jab or you don't work here mm-hmm. anymore. Well, it's, it's a function of their desperation. Um, the best analysis that I've seen of the motive behind this is that they need to eliminate the control group, meaning us, yeah. the people who are healthy and who, uh, by the fact, by dint of our obvious healthiness, Uh, provide a stark contrast to their narrative about sickness being everywhere. They can't have 40% of the population going about normal life without having been jabbed. They need to get everybody jabbed so that then they can claim that they cured the Rona. That's what's behind all of this. And there may be some other more sinister things behind it, but the fact that they're pushing it as aggressively and as hard as they are indicates that they're desperate, which is a good thing and a bad thing. You know, it's a good thing in that they're going to start making mistakes. They've already made mistakes. People are beginning to see through the lies and the fear tactics that are being used. The bad thing is that these desperate, and I'll use the word psychopaths in my opinion, these evil people will probably try to do something spectacularly horrible if they believe that they're going to lose control of this whole thing. Yeah, I don't even want to try to speculate what that might be because I don't know. There seem to be a lot of chips on the table, I guess is how I'll put it, and just leave it well, at that. Well, yeah, and, and I want to follow that up a little bit. The reason that I use that term psychopath uh, is because it is, it is beyond my comprehension uh, in terms of the etymology or the meaning of the word evil to demand that healthy young people, that kids, be subjected to this. There is no medically rational reason for doing that. And the fact that they are doing that with God knows what consequences for these kids, and some of them have died, and that's beyond despicable, um, tells me these people are, 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 are cold, calculating, evil people who, as Stalin once put it, if they you know, want to make uh, an omelet, you have to break some eggs. And it might turn out to be your kid that's the broken egg that ends up being made into the omelet. Right. Well, and there, there has been, um, there's been a real escalation, too, in terms of government workers are all being told you will do this or else mm-hmm. probably the most the, the one that got my attention the most in the last few days was uh, the secretary of defense saying yeah. that all soldiers will be vaccinated by September 15th or that will become a court martial court martial offense if they don't well it will be interesting to see how that plays out particularly in the military because you're dealing there largely with a cohort of the young and healthy who are the least vulnerable and for whom there is the least justification to subject them to the risks associated with this experimental disease. And moreover, uh, if you look at the Nuremberg Code, you know, the, the thing that they hanged people over at the end of World War II, uh, it says that you cannot force people to submit to medical treatment contrary to their will without informed consent. And yet here we have uh, the government and the military take telling people who are essentially captives. You know, you join the military and you can't just say, "I quit. Uh, this isn't working for me anymore. I'm not. You know, I'm not happy here. I'm going to go find another job." They own you for the duration of your service contract, right? It's a kind of indenture. And now they're going to tell you that you will do this, and if you don't do it, they'll throw you in prison. You know, that smacks pretty closely to me of what was done in Germany during the war. 
That does sound, <laughs> it, it sounds a tad strident, I guess, uh, might Doesn't be it? one way to say it. I, although I have heard some pretty strong fighting words from, uh, for instance, Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul, yeah. saying they can't arrest us all. If you don't He's comply, right. you know, we can point. stop this. That is a critical point. Alone, and that's why they wanted to lock us down and keep us in our houses, by the way. Alone, we're powerless, and we feel weak and isolated, and we're much easier to control and manage that way. But together, we're invincible. There are more of us than there, there are of them. And if enough of us just have the courage to say no, our voices collectively will resound thunderously, and they will not be able to get away with this. Um, I applaud Rand Paul. He's becoming more and more like his father all the time. I was ambivalent about him a few years ago before all of this stuff hit, but he's become one of the most uh, direct, forthright, and principled opponents to this medical tyranny. And, you know, I'm glad that unlike his dad, who I have admired since I was a teenager, he's a young guy and he's got a lot of energy, and God bless him for doing what he's doing. Yeah, and it's isn't it interesting too with him standing up and saying, "Hey, if you don't comply, they can, they can't make us all do it. You know, they can't arrest us all." Right now, you're seeing very open calls for violence against him, and and you know the stuff that of would course. get you and I banned from Twitter or other places. Of course, you know that just it gets a slide, it gets a pass on this one because it's being directed toward him. Of course, but once again, it reveals the the evil fatuity of the authoritarian left which will be up in arms over, over anything that can be construed in any way as threatening toward something that they esteem or a person on their side of the fence. But when a similar thing crops up emanating from them towards somebody that they disagree with or some idea that they dislike, then it just goes okay. And everybody can see this hypocrisy. It is blatant. It is in your face. And it's a healthy thing in a way because we realize that what we're up against are, are people who have situational morality and whose only concern ultimately is power and control by whatever means. They, you know, they're not motivated by good intentions, and they're not honest people. They're, they're dirty-dealing, backstabbing, vicious people, and you should, never, you should never trust anything that they say. Amen. Now, we've got to take a break here. Eric Peters from epautos.com is my guest. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the infrastructure bill, which apparently is a present that just keeps on giving because there are so many things tucked away in it. Wait till you hear about uh, how they won't have to outlaw cars. No. No, they can just regulate older cars out of existence. Details coming up. We'll continue our conversation right after these messages. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. And just like that, we are back. Eric Peters from epautos.com is my guest. Eric, I like to think of our conversations as an exercise in helping break the illusion of consensus. It may, it may appear that everybody's going along, but uh, we've got a couple of troublemakers here talking about why, nah, <laughs> that's not for us. Well, it, it's more of putting out a positive example. I don't know whether you caught it. Uh, I embedded a video in my latest type of report that is, is wonderful, and I, and I encourage everybody to not just check out my article, not because I'm, I'm plugging my article, but to see this video. And it talks about how 
how people are manipulated using fear and isolation and how important it is to provide a contrarian example. And it's, um, it's accompanied by a lot of images, including some famous ones. Uh, one of them is a black and white image of a Nazi rally. And you see this, this throng of people all, all with their arms out saluting the Fuhrer. But there's one man in the crowd with his hands folded across his chest. You know, yeah. And that is what we must do. We must show that this is not unanimous. We must stand up. That's why I've not put on a face diaper during this whole thing. Because I believe that the sight of me walking around, the sight of other people walking around, gives courage to other people. And the same with the needling. You know, there may be a cost associated with it, just like we were banned from stores and not allowed to do this and not allowed to do that. Fine. It's important to take a stand, particularly since right now taking a stand doesn't have the cost of life or death yet. But it may, if we submit to this, if we bow our heads and say, okay, I'll do this just so I can go along to get along. Because if we do that, it's never going to end. And not only is it not going to end, it's going to kick up. It's going to become more and more authoritarian and totalitarian to the point that it could become something absolutely unimaginable. Yeah, too few people have made the connection that the reason the goalposts keep moving is because you comply. If they know you're Mm -hmm. going to comply, they feel perfectly safe in moving the goalposts, they being those in power. Anybody who has ever dealt with a bully understands the dynamic of this. You give in to the bully, and the bully is, is going to demand more and more and more until finally you understand, okay, I'm going to risk getting punched in the nose, but it's better to risk getting punched in the nose than to just constantly be under the thumb of this, this dude who just won't leave me alone. Without a doubt. Let's, let's talk about this infrastructure bill, and in particular... Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I wasn't surprised, but I'm still disappointed to learn there is a mileage tax buried in there somewhere. Not just that. And I want to preface this by saying it's not Joe Biden and the Democrats that have given us this infrastructure bill. It's Republicans that uh, they identify as Republicans, but they're actually Democrats. They're the ones that always provide the necessary margin of victory in these legislative little back and forth that occur and uh, leave us in this predicament that we're in rather than standing on principle. So they went along with it, and the result of it is now that there have been a couple of items put into this $1 trillion so-called infrastructure bill, of which only 20%, by the way, will actually go toward building new roads and bridges or maintaining existing ones. The rest of it goes into things like Amtrak and other forms of uh, government herd transportation as well as all of this green New Deal stuff, the electric cars, all of that stuff. But in addition to that, we're going to have a mileage tax, and it will not replace the gas tax. It's going to be in addition to the gas tax. So now they're going to send you a bill for how many miles you drive, and they're going to use this mileage tax, I'm certain, as a means to monitor how and where you drive and probably tax you accordingly there as well. And in addition to that, it gets even better. There is also a mandate that within the next few years, all new cars be fitted with some form of in-car breathalyzer that samples your body chemistry before you're allowed to drive, just as if you had been convicted of DWI and had to put an interlock on your car. Isn't it lovely? I mean, I I don't even have words. Wow. Mm -hmm. That is... But this is the the ugly fruit of the safety cult. If you accept the premise of it, which I've been ranting about this for, I don't know, 25 years now, that the possibility that a hypothetical somebody might do X, whatever that is, then justifies everybody being treated as a presumptive, you insert here, whatever it is, a terrorist, a, a spreader of disease, 
a drunk driver, you name whatever they whatever you want to put forward, then you can you can justify practically any imposition rather than the old standard of waiting until somebody actually does something that causes harm and then holding them, that particular person, accountable for what they've done and leaving the rest of us alone. Here, here. So tell me, what is the the benefit? Is this part of the Green New Deal to to you know regulate these older vehicles out of existence? You've mentioned that oh, they're yeah. pushing towards electric vehicles, which well, yeah, aren't that environmentally sound. Implicit in this, there's a technological knife in the back here. the The way that you monitor a car's mileage um, is by via electronics, via specifically telematics and connectivity. You know, almost all new cars have some form of te- connectivity, meaning they can send and receive data uh, from the manufacturer, uh, from GPS, all of these things. And that's the means by which they want to keep track of the mileage and charge you for it. Well, here's the thing. The older cars that were made without computers and don't have all of this electronica cannot be monitored in that way. They would have to be retrofitted with some sort of electronic device in order to make that feasible. And that's going to impose a burden on these old car owners uh, in the first place. And in the second place, I don't think they'll even allow that because unless you somehow completely embedded it deep inside the car, it would work something like those easy pass things that you see on people's cars. Right. And it would be too easy, they'll argue, these government people will argue, for a person to just take the easy pass off and put it in a drawer while they go driving around. And we can't have that. So rather than just outlaw the older cars that don't have all this intrusive, big brothery monitoring technology, they will say, well, yeah, you can keep your old car and you can drive your old car, provided it meets the current regulatory standards for connectivity and, and, and can be kept track of with its mileage, which, of course, is not, not technically or economically feasible. And that's the means by which they will effectively outlaw these older cars. I am just anticipating my very own Red Barchetta moment. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> I feel it coming. I thought it was just a well, song, but too, apparently, you know, and I feel not. I feel, you know, generally speaking, even though I'm a libertarian, I'm 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 pretty much a law-abiding guy. And you know, I, I'm the, the the ratio, the balance of liberty uh, versus the impositions of the government uh, was acceptable. We live in an imperfect world. Yes, I'd love to live in an ideally libertarian society, but I recognize we don't have that. But as long as the society that we do have is pretty free and not tyrannical. I'm willing to put up with certain things. But a point comes when it's no longer, I think, our obligation to submit and obey. And as, as Mencken once put it, the great H.L. Mencken, sometimes uh, you just have to hoist the Jolly Roger and become an outlaw when what they've done is to, is to essentially force you to become either an outlaw or a complete slave. And I'll, I'll choose to become an outlaw before I become a slave. No, here, here. And, and, and I... I can't remember who said it, but there's an old saying along the lines of, uh, you know, a free man lives under no law to which he has not freely consented. Yep. Think about that. And I would add to that again, and I, I, you know, I tub thump about this a lot, but it's outrageous, in my opinion, it is an affront to morality to punish people for harms they have not caused. Uh, you know, if a person is an upstanding citizen, they're earning their own living, they're taking care of themselves, they're not causing harm to anybody else, that person should largely be immune from any hassles from the government. The fact that people like us who are just trying to go about our business, earn a living, raise our families, live our lives, we're not hurting anybody, the fact that we are constantly having to sweat all of these things and worry about getting hut-hut-hutted and having, having armed government goons attack us or kick down our doors tells you it's a barometer of the, of the nature of the country that we currently live in now. 
Well, I feel encouraged. Even though everything, I agree with what you're saying, and I think the warning signs should be visible to everybody. I'm encouraged just because I know there are individuals like you, and and I know from looking at your website and seeing the comments that people share on there, there are a lot of folks out there who um, they they are not going to comply. They're not going to just kneel down and, okay, I guess I'll submit. Well, sure, because I think uh, at core, we know we're not bad people. You know, and I think we're tired of being framed as bad people somehow by bad people, by people who mean harm. And I think we've had enough of it. I think we've been very patient. And I think the time um, for further patience is at an end. All right. My guest has been Eric Peters. His website, epautos.com. Check it out. Eric, great to visit with you as always. Thank you, Brian. Ditto. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Just a quick shout out to my sponsors. I appreciate MonticelloCollege.org. Why do I appreciate them? Well, click on the link that you'll find in my show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com and you'll find that they are offering an education for our time. What does that mean? Well, click on the link. <laughs> it's easier for them to explain and I've got some other things I'm going to talk about as well. Also, the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage appreciate them as well as lifesavingfood.com and I think I mentioned this yesterday but I'll mention it today. If you decide, if you look at what they have to offer in way of food storage packages and you say, yep, that's what I'm going to get. Just mention HYDE as the promo code, H-Y-D-E, and get 10% off. Pretty simple stuff. And I'm just becoming more and more of a believer in having that, uh, that self-sufficiency, having uh, you know the equivalent of a grocery store in your own home, except we're talking a grocery store at 25-year shelf life. That's how cool is that? Lifesavingfood.com. Check them out and... Uh, Please do some business with them. So concerns about what the global elite were up to. You remember that used to be the realm of the conspiracy theorists, right? Let me tell you what the the big money people and the politicians are doing. And, you know, there was always an element of truth. But there was also a lot of kind of weird fantasies that would get caught up in that. And so I totally get why people tend to, uh, well, their eyes tend to glaze over and they're like, oh, great, here comes another conspiracy theory. Oh, please get me out of here. And yet there's a lot that is being very openly said by actual members of this global elite. Found a great Miller from a great uh, article from Brian Miller. And this was from uh, everything-voluntary.com. Its title is The Global Elite's Plan to Radically Remake Our Economic and Social Lives. Now, i got to say, this is, this is one of the most straightforward approaches. I, I'm getting no conspiracy theory vibe. I don't feel like I need to reach for, you know, the box of aluminum foil and, you know, fashion a hat so I can protect my thoughts from being read by the elite. But what I see is an explanation, actually some very good examples of what is being said openly by people like Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum, among others. 
So if you have heard the phrase, the Great Reset, and you've thought, ah, could there be anything to it? I'd ask you to consider what Brian Miller has to say. And, uh, and you know, again, I'll leave it up to you to make up your mind. But if this does hold water, if this is really what they're up to, I don't think I want to be a part of it. Brian Miller says the Great Reset is upon us. Or at least the powers that be are trying to bring it out. What was once a fringe conspiracy theory is now on display, plain as day, for everyone to see. The economic, political, academic, and media elites around the world are leveraging the chaos and the confusion and restrictions on liberty from the COVID-19 lockdowns and then using them to radically alter liberty around the or to alter society rather around the world. So then he poses the question, what does this change look like? What will it look like? The global elites want to create a society of renters who own nothing while also pushing a social agenda that would be unpopular with the unwashed masses and difficult to implement in a society with broad ownership-based middle class. So what this means is that you would not just rent your home, but also your phone, computer, car, although you'll probably car share, that's the term for renting a car when you need one for an extended period, and summoning one when you need it for a ride. Even the pots and pans you cook with would be rented. Now, the flip side of this will be a radical transformation of the world economy. No longer will you have a job in the sense that it's traditionally been understood. Instead, you will work various and sundry gigs, all of which place you in a precarious position at any given time. You'll receive a fee for services performed with no benefits, paid time off, health care, or anything else that the middle class in the West has become accustomed to. To facilitate the Great Reset, rural populations will have to be coerced into more concentrated population centers, since dispersed populations have too high a carbon footprint. Man, that just sounds like a recipe for dystopia, doesn't it? The, sur- the suburbs will be a thing of the past as suburbs and exurbs, exurbs rather, become more like cities. Mixed-use housing where you and 500 other people live in a mid-rise condo hive with shops and workshare spaces, that's the new version of an office, on your dime, not your employers, all in the same area. So the short version is that it's a total end to the American way of life, specifically the way of life of most of the Western middle class. The specifics, including the why, well, that's a longer story that you're going to want to read if you want to be ready to fight against the Great Reset. So, Brian Miller from here goes into what is the Great Reset. And I love that he begins with the acknowledgement that knowing what the Great Reset is can be difficult because the official sources on the matter, World Economic Forum, the mover behind the Great Reset and its affiliated organizations and individuals, cloak their aims in vague euphemisms like the main slogan for the Great Reset, Build Back Better. Now, he has a link to several different articles here on cultural Marxism, critical race theory in public schools, and how George George Soros. And they've discussed in these articles how the enemies of freedom often use vague, non-specifically positive language for their projects. These are generally words which, when taken at face value, no one could possibly disagree with. I mean, who would be against building back better, right? But he says these words mean something else. And one should not accept at face value the idea that the Great Reset is simply building back better any more than one should accept at face value the claim that four out of five doctors smoke camels. So what is the Great Reset? 
Well, Brian Miller says at its core, the Great Reset is an attempt to enforce socialism through private companies rather than only through government. Think of it as socialism with Amazon Prime characteristics. Now, that being said, the government will certainly play a role in the Great Reset by angling for higher taxes, which the wealthy will be able to avoid, uh, with which the the wealthy will be able to avoid using armies of lawyers and accountants. Adding additional bureaucratic red tape, which the wealthy will avoid using the same armies of lawyers, connections, and special carve-outs, and growing big government social programs a la the New Deal, which will disproportionately benefit the wealthy and preferred underclass who will be weaponized against the broad middle class. So an excellent example of a Great Reset program in the United States is the proposed Green New Deal, which he discusses in greater detail a little bit later in the article. But for a glimpse of what the Great Reset will look like, here's a quick rundown of of what is being proposed. First of all, a sharing economy, where everything is rented and nothing is owned. Next, digital media. Now think about this. It will be easier to ban and suppress books and videos that run contrary to prevailing narratives. Did you know, for instance, that uh, kids in in public schools actually, uh, where was it? I'm trying to think. I just saw the tweet this morning, uh, but oh, it's in Oregon. Yeah, requirements, uh, standards for math and reading, you know, in in the public schools, those are being lifted. Requirements for masks, those are being imposed. They don't want the kids reading. They don't need kids to be reading and thinking. What they need them to do is to know how to obey. Doesn't that sound like a recipe for disaster? Then you have social media restrictions. The de facto public square will be restricted to those who tout the latest version of elite narratives. A de facto social credit system, those who deviate from the narrative will be financially blacklisted, including loss of their dubious benefits, which will increasingly become necessary for ordinary life and even survival. Centralization of housing and land, meaning fewer and fewer Americans will own the property they live in and on. It will also include racial equity. Now, by that, they mean some races will be more equal than others with preferred groups becoming the recipients of generous benefit programs funded by the less preferred groups who increasingly become tax slaves. There will also be great emphasis on on climate change. Protection of the environment will be used as an excuse to reduce the standard of living for the middle class, increase restrictions on the freedom of movement, and even access to food. I think they're telling us to eat bugs and like it. Also, ground-level goons will operate with impunity to attack enemies of the system and coordinated outbreaks of violence and intimidation. Saw a little bit of that in Portland over the weekend. Antifa attacking children, women, (laughs) people praying in a park. And finally, concentrated wealth. Wealth will be concentrated in the hands of the regime and its allies, which will be used as economic leverage to control political discourse and personal freedom. So these are some of the stated goals. These are some of the things that they're working toward with the Great Reset. Now, again, this is from the global elite. Not everybody's on board, but that's just kind of an overview. So we'll come back in just a moment and explore the question, but is the Great Reset real? I think you'll like to hear what Brian Miller has to say about this. And yes, there is a link in the show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. We'll be back in just a moment. 
This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. And just like that, we are back. Hey, before I go back into this article from Brian Miller about uh, the global elites plan to radically remake our economic and social lives, I just would like to uh, drop a real nice hint about to the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. If you are fortunate enough to be moving to the great state of Utah, this is who you should talk to when it comes to getting yourself your, your financing for getting your mortgage from VA loans to traditional loans to reverse mortgages, maybe just refinancing your existing mortgage. The Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage has the stability and the clout to get you the loan you need without delay. And in a hot real estate market like today, that uh, without delay is really, really important. Heather's NMLS ID is 715386. Patriot Home Mortgage is an equal housing opportunity lender. You can call 435-703-4522. And if you're in St. George, Utah, their offices are at 619 South Bluff. So is the Great Reset real? You know, my goal in sharing this with you isn't so much to persuade you. It's all real. It's all. The conspiracies, they're all true. But I don't know if we can call this a conspiracy anymore. I mean, there's enough that's out there on the record that uh, you don't have to be looking around too wild-eyed to find some things that are really questionable and maybe disagreeable if you understand your freedom. Brian Miller says this might all sound a little far-fetched. However, unlike other alleged conspiracy theories, which require a great amount of research to prove are true, the Great Reset's right out there in the open for everyone to see. It's hiding in plain sight. The people pushing it brag about it, speak of it openly, craft propaganda campaigns around it, refer to it explicitly by name, and they get publicly frustrated and angry when the dog isn't going to eat the dog food. A video of Klaus Schwab, founder and chairman of the World Economic Forum, the primary global elite institution pushing for the Great Reset, went viral. Now, it's only about 40 seconds, but it's well worth the time it takes to watch. And yes, he has it linked in the, in the article. He says, you'll see the Great Reset logo right behind Schwab in the same font as the World Economic Forum logo. Additionally, Schwab explicitly speaks of the Great Reset and his frustration with the COVID-19 pandemic in that it has not been as effective as he would like in pushing the Great Reset. Now, Klaus Schwab isn't some random guy on Twitter or a blogger with a couple dozen readers. He's an extremely powerful man and head of one of the most important elite globalist organizations in the world, the World Economic Forum. But the Great Reset is larger than a single 40-second viral clip. There's an entire page about it on the World Economic Forum's website, including a lot of vague language that doesn't tell you much of what it actually, uh, of what it is, actually. Time's website includes a rather massive cache of articles pushing the subject as unassailably good and beyond question or reproach. And a video on the World Economic Forum's YouTube channel is effectively a five-minute PSA of talking points on the subject. So if you're needing some proof, you know, you could always consider their own words from the people who are pushing this great reset. Now, alarmingly, Brian Miller says the BBC and others are running articles encouraging you not to believe your own lying eyes, insisting this is a conspiracy theory not rooted in fact. 
Additionally, Wikipedia includes an entire section assuring you that the conspiracy theory of the Great Reset bears no relation to the pure, noble intentions of people like Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, and Tony Blair. So the Great Reset is clearly real, but how do the powers that be intend to force it on the world? Well, they're grooming for a police state, for starters. So whether one thinks that the COVID-19 lockdowns and restrictions were a good faith response to a public health emergency or not is irrelevant. The fact of the matter is that it accustomed Americans and Westerners to significant restrictions on their freedoms, including freedom of movement. More than that, it showed that those it showed those in power rather that that people that that if you create enough fear, Americans would tolerate the restrictions. Sad to say that sounds about right. Thus, consciously or not, global elites were grooming the world population for a police state. Fortunately, there's been some pushback and vaccine passports are encountering stiff resistance from most elected officials and the general population at large. For most of 2020 and 2021, the most freedom-loving people on Earth, Americans, were walking around with dirty, useless masks on to comply with a government mandate. A mandate that after further scrutiny made no sense. Americans even allowed their children to be subjected to this as a condition of attending school. Now, the COVID-19 lockdowns weren't the first time that Americans were groomed for a police state. TSA is the biggest example of this. However, we also see examples in our public schools with metal detectors, warrantless searches, etc. If nothing else, the elites learned that there is just about nothing that America and the world will not tolerate if you scare them enough. The burning question is, how will Americans be scared into further erosions of their liberty? And the most likely answer to that is one that's being, I mean, they're beating this drum hard, climate austerity. There have already been musings about the COVID-19 lockdown warriors that, uh, among the COVID-19 lockdown warriors, that one of the best things about the lockdowns were they significantly reduced carbon emissions, thus saving the planet during the period when people were locked down. The natural conclusion is that climate lockdowns are a viable solution to climate change. Now, whether or not one believes that climate change exists and is caused by humans, that's irrelevant. What is relevant is whether or not the burden of fixing the planet, if such a thing is necessary and possible, ought to be borne by individual consumers and the common man. Perhaps not surprisingly, billionaire plutocrats like Bill Gates, a big booster of COVID-19 lockdowns and the Great Reset, they think that it ought to be. This is the real meaning of we're all in this together. Does anyone really believe that the Davos attendees like Bill Gates will be living in dense, mixed-use communities or eating cricket patties as their primary source of protein? Of course not. They will continue to live the affluent lifestyles that they currently live while the rest of us suffer. The idea that you and I ought to bear the burden of climate change is called climate austerity. It's the belief that the average man must tighten his belt and lower his standard of living in what might well be a totally chaotic attempt to save the planet. It's a concept closely tied to the Great Reset and an example of how something other than an, than another pandemic might be used to get Americans and the rest of the world to radically change their notion of what they're allowed to do. We should all recall back that poorly aged phrase, 14 days to stop the spread. How many times did the goalposts move? Where are we with that as you read this? 
I mean, first we were told that we needed to flatten the curve, and then there needed to be a vaccine, and then the vaccine wasn't enough. And the point is that COVID-19 became a perpetual excuse for the elites to enact whatever emergency measures they wanted, all for your own safety, of course. An integral part of climate austerity is the war on private transportation, commercial flights, and freedom of travel. Transportation, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg floated a mileage tax and many other measures advanced by the Green New Deal that would effectively ban private transportation due to the high cost. Again, you will be impacted by this, but the elites will not. I mean, it seems like there's almost a weekly outrage against pickup trucks on Twitter. And the real reason for this is to control the free movement of people. The agenda here has nothing to do with stated goals and everything to do with locking you down, reducing your standard of living, abolishing your way of life, and subjecting every aspect of your life to control by powerful elites. From here, he goes into how uh, the Great Reset in action will create a nation of renters. He talks about the social credit aspect and then says, why the Great Reset? Well, we can't speculate as to the internal motives of any man. Brian Miller says, what we can talk about is the tangible effects that policies have here in the real world. And the primary tangible effect of the Great Reset is an increased amount of power and wealth in the hands of fewer and fewer people, all of whom are hostile toward you, your values, and your way of life. So it might have been a happy accident that the greatest wealth transfer in human history happened during the COVID-19 lockdowns. Or it might have been by design. Regardless, the upward wealth transfer happened. Success rarely satiates. Rather, it fuels a hunger for more success. So we should see this wealth transfer as a prelude to an even larger wealth transfer that is forthcoming. Additionally, the Western middle class sits on an enormous reserve of wealth in the form of homeownership and retirement funds. These are the white whales of the global elite. One would be a fool, given all the evidence, to believe that they would stop at anything to acquire this massive reserve of wealth. So to the extent that it's possible, he says, we must make ourselves more resilient. This means owning land, having your own well, a supply of food to weather the storm, adequate supplies of ammunition, useful skills, and close community bonds. It also means sounding the alarm bells about elite propaganda campaigns, legislative maneuvers, and bureaucratic, bureaucratic fiats rather designed to destroy you. He says, prepare to dig in for a long winter. I know it sounds somber, but I don't think he's wrong. Check it out. It's in the show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. Show notes for August 10th, 2021. This is The Brian Hyde Show.